please, you would open up to uh, Psalm 4, right near the beginning of the Psalms. Psalm 4, if you're in the Blue Pew Bible, uh, be on page 448. Psalm 4. Um, and you know, we, we could kind of, for those who were here last week, we could kind of view Psalm 4 as kind of like a, or, uh, this sermon today as part two from uh, last week's sermon. As we uh, It likewise, just like Psalm 61, it begins with this desperate cry to the Lord out of a place of distress. But then it also ends in a place of great confidence and, and comfort uh, in the Lord. But the reason for the distress and the anguish that is faced by the psalmist, which is David, uh, the reason for it is, is different and it's much more specific here in Psalm 4. This psalm deals with a, a situation that's common to each one of us here. In fact, I think it's probably accurate to say that there's no one here apart from our very smallest uh, members, there's no one here uh, who doesn't at times become discouraged, downhearted, because others have said something about you or done something to you, maybe have even uh, spoken to others about you in a way that, uh, that tears you down, that wounds you. This is something that is, is common, especially things that you may believe are untrue, uh, that are wrong. Now, sometimes they might be unintentional. That does happen. We create things in our minds, but, but very often it's done deliberately. And, and it happens with relationships that we have both within the church and uh, outside of the church. We have this experience of someone, in some way, unjustly tearing us down. How do you respond when that happens? How should you respond when that happens? How has the Lord provided for you to respond when that happens? Well, the psalmist this morning, Psalm 4, provides us with guidance, with instruction in that. So, I'm going to read through Psalm 4, eight verses. Uh, pretty short, and then, then we'll open it up a little bit. Uh, Psalm 4. And, and I'll just remind you as we go through the Psalms, these are prayers. Now in Psalm 4, you'll see elements there that seem to be you know, perhaps not a prayer, the psalmist addressing others. But at the same time, the whole thing is intended for us as the congregation to be a prayer to the Lord. So Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices. 
and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this, your word. And thank you, Lord, that we can know that this is the word of God. Therefore, it is true. And therefore, it does the work that we need in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, thank you as we go through the Psalms that there are uh, just all those areas of our lives and our hearts that, that are addressed by your word and that we are able to come to you, Lord, and uh, find healing for our wounds uh, and find life uh, where we have that sense of downheartedness and even death. Uh, we thank you, and I pray that you will make this word effective for us. Open our eyes uh, this morning. Help us to take this and apply it uh, to our hearts, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in Second Samuel, when uh, Absalom, who is David's son, uh, has been conspiring against him to take his kingdom from him, and he's had, at this point, significant success at this. Uh, and so he's, he's forced David, and at one point it says, barefoot and weeping, forced David to flee from Jerusalem. Uh, and if you're familiar with the area there, to cross the Kidron Valley and to start up the Mount of Olives uh, with a, a group uh, who are with him, uh, servants and family. And it's in this compromised state of great difficulty that David and, and those who are with him come across a man whose name is Shimei, a man who curses David and he throws stones at him. And, and Shimei calls out to David and says uh, at, at one point, you man of blood, you worthless man. And then think about all that David's going through at this point, but this, this man Shimei taunts him and, and he tells him in effect that all that he's going through, all that's happening with Absalom is a result of the fact that he stole the kingdom from Saul. This man is a Benjamite which is where Saul, the, the, the tribe that Saul was from, that he stole the kingdom from Saul, and the Lord is avenging on him, on David, the blood of Saul and the household of Saul. Now, if you've read through 1 Samuel and you've read through 2 Samuel, you'd know there's nothing farther from the truth. Uh, this is way out in left field. Uh, this man is bringing an unjust attack on uh, or against David. And one of David's military men, Abishai, out of anger says this to David. He says, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. Now, it might seem to us, knowing the situation that David's in uh, and and. And what this man has said, it might seem that David has every reason to say, go ahead, Abishai. Uh, give that man what he deserves. But David doesn't do that. 
Instead, David chastises Abishai for his anger. You know, I'm sure that, that you, if you're like me, you know what it's like when someone has accused you of something, some kind of wrongdoing, or told things about you that, that you believe to be just completely untrue, and you, you feel like they've just spewed hatred uh, uh, toward you, against you. It may be something where they, they've done it directly in front of others, to your face, kind of like Shimei that we see here with David. Uh, or it may be something that's, that's hidden and it's behind your back. But when that happens, our tendency, and you can think about yourself, you know your own heart, but our tendency or temptation can be to respond inwardly or outwardly in a way that, that doesn't really, in that moment especially, look to the Lord uh, it's not concerned with what honors the Lord, what He would desire. And so we respond out of the flesh rather than responding out of the Spirit. This is what uh, the Lord, I'm sorry, this is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, addresses in Romans chapter 8. Uh, and and he, as you go through the first part of Romans chapter 8, this wonderful chapter, but, but he's talking about this uh, uh, contrast between responding out of the flesh, responding out of the, the Spirit. And he says early on in that chapter that, that God, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Uh, he, he set it apart. Uh, that's why He came. And yet most often, or, or it could be most often, but often what we do in some of these situations is exactly that. It's to respond out of the flesh. And what Paul says a little bit further, he says, uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. He's going to say it's hostile to God. Uh, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. He's contrasting these two different paths. One is to set the mind on the flesh, and it's going back to this path that is apart from the Lord, that is away than the other path. Notice what he calls it, life and peace. That's the path of the Spirit. Two very different ways of responding. And as we look at Psalm 4, it's really what this psalm is all about. It's about this difference between responding in this one way out of the flesh and responding in another way with a mind that's set upon the Spirit. In other words, allowing ourselves to be controlled by sin and by the flesh. Uh, and in, in verse 2, back in our, in our psalm, David, out, out of his distress, he, he's already called upon the, the Lord and said, Be gracious to me, hear my prayer. Then in verse 2, David addresses these men and he says, O oh men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Right there. This is giving the situation for the psalm. And, and David is addressing those who have 
if it's insulted him, who have spewed out lies and hatred toward him. This may be have to do with that situation about Shimei and, and the surrounding time frame, but we're not given that here. Uh, but either way, you can hear in David's voice the pain. How long? Often this is given to the Lord, isn't it? We hear it in, in the Psalms. How long, O Lord? But here he's, he's talking to these. How long will you continue and be blind as you spew out hatred and, and lies? Now, I know that many of us here have experienced this. We know what it's like to be humiliated, uh, to be lied about, to know in our minds as we uh, come in whatever means to understand this, that uh, this is, this is not, not true. And so we know what it can make us feel like inside. It's one of those types of things that can make you lay awake at night, uh, kind of rolling over as you're processing things in your mind, uh, minute after minute, sometimes maybe hour after hour, agonizing over it. Maybe we, we think about the, the ways that uh, those who are against us or who have been doing this may have been scheming against us. Also, we may be thinking about what our response is going to, to be, what we might say, what we might do. Uh, this psalm addresses really that very same situation. Both verses 4 and 8 uh, set the psalm at night while in, in bed. But it also says that when you respond by the Spirit, when you respond in a particular way, that is completely different. And the result, the outcome, is completely different. And, and we see that even at the end of this, that even peace, true peace, even restful sleep can be the result. The question is, how? There's one answer here at the heart of it. It's given kind of all the way through, and that is respond by allowing the Lord to vindicate you. Now the key is here that He is the one who has given us righteousness. You'll see that in, in verse 1 when David says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Oh, oh, oh God who has, who has made me right is another way of saying it. Oh God who has, who has given me that ability to have a right standing at all. You know, uh, in Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah, uh, he's speaking about the Messiah at one point, and he says, this is the name by which he will be called, by which the Messiah will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. That's what he's talking about. He's the one who gives us any standing at all. It's all from him. And you know, when we come to see that, and we come to really know that inside, we know Christ in that way. He is my righteousness. I have no standing apart from him. And, and we're convicted of it inside. It changes everything and that's really the key to our response here, uh, is to turn it over to the Lord. We're, we're going to see here uh, 
as David brings out, I think, three different ways that we can have a tendency to respond out of the flesh. And in each of those, David gives a right response, one that proceeds not from the flesh, but from the Spirit. Uh, And David's first response is to those who tend to be, I'm going to use the word here, fickle. Uh, it's, it's, It's those who maybe in this relationship with the Lord, but don't always see themselves out of that, don't always see themselves as, as belonging to the Lord. There's a lack, perhaps, of conviction inside that they have truly been set apart from others as children of God. Like I said, there may be faith there, and there may even be some amount of comfort, but it doesn't translate into consistent living by faith. And therefore, out of that, it affects their and our prayer lives. Now, there's a sense in which this is going to be true of us, all of us at times, but especially perhaps some, that we are fickle. Now, David answers this. Look at verse 3. He answers this by saying, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. You know, this is absolutely necessary for countering uh, criticism or, or harsh treatment. Notice where David says that he finds comfort. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. You know, if you don't see yourself as being secure in this relationship, then when someone acts unjustly against you, then where are you going to go to heal that wound, to have that wound taken care of? Because that's exactly what happens when we have those who strike at us in this way. There's a wound there. Well, the answer is, it's right here. (laughs) That's the only place I've got to go is, is to me to have this dealt with. But David says that he's got the Lord to go to. His wound, the offense that's against him, uh, is in God's hands. And he draws great comfort here from the fact that God has chosen him and he set him apart along with all who are his. And this is the sense here is not just set him apart in order to accomplish a task, kind of like you would with with an employee uh, who's got certain tasks there. No, this is set apart out of a love for them. Uh, The word set apart here means to make a distinction between you and all others. Uh, Back to Romans chapter 8, Romans 16, Paul says this, "...the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God." There's this uh, inner conviction there, a certain conviction that we can depend upon that says you are a child of God. You belong to, to Him. And then as a result, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. God has set His special attention and His affection upon you if you belong to Him upon His people. 
to distinguish us, to set us apart from all others. And as such, David is able to say, the Lord hears when I call to him. I've got a place to go and I know that I'm heard. Think about where a child runs. When they've been stung by a, by a bee, we've got some bee nests out here sometimes uh, in the summer, and you, you see if somebody gets stung, where, where are they going to run to? Or let's say somebody's, there's a, there's a child on the playground, this happens not too infrequently, and they happen to walk out in front of a swing that's, that's coming down at full speed, and they get knocked to the ground. Their tears coming down. Where do they just automatically run to? They may bypass many others there on the playground, but they run into the arms of those who, who they know that they belong to, and they, they know that this is where I'm going to be heard. And that's where they cry out. David says, Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. They're in this relationship. The Lord hears when I call to Him. Uh, know this. Be certain of it. Have this conviction inside. You can't be fickle. You can't be looking to the Lord while at the same time being self-sufficient in this life. You've got to have that conviction. This is, this is the relationship that I'm in uh, with the one who has chosen me, who has set his love upon me. Uh, we need to know. And really, this knowing the Lord is the ultimate answer uh, to knowing healing from, from the greatest wounds that can be inflicted upon us. Uh, you know, out of, uh, out of Isaiah 43, there's this uh, wonderful passage that speaks to this. Isaiah 43, right at the very beginning. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If we have that conviction inside, again, it changes everything. So, David's first response to those who are, or tend to be, fickle, and his second response to those who tend to be fiery. In other words, if, if someone is harsh toward you, uh, someone's unfair toward you, maybe they hurl insults at you or in some other way disparage you. Uh, so often, in response, there's this, it rises up from within us, this fiery response that's driven by anger. Uh, and I'm going to say, there are some for whom this is a tremendous temptation. We each have our, our struggles. For some, this is in particular that area uh, to respond in anger and sometimes out of a, a sense of retaliation. Uh, but almost all of us are susceptible to this. Uh, now, this can show itself. It can show itself just in our thoughts, or it can show itself in our words. Uh, or by some other means, including physically, physical altercations. Yet David cautions uh, in his words here that this is not a godly response, uh, and we must not give into it. Uh, he says in verse 4, 
Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. You know, the way to prevent sin is to look to the Lord. Now, we might initially be angry. Uh, An injustice has taken place against us. Often this is going to result in anger, but the question is, where do we go with that? And the answer is, we need to go to the Lord. He is the one who makes things right. Uh, He is our righteousness. And that's what's meant here by ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. You know, other translations say meditate uh, or search your heart silently. Let me first address what, uh, what David's not saying here. This is not saying that we should uh, never use legal recourse when uh, it's appropriate and when there's something that's taken place against us. It's not saying uh, that we should never get a mediator or someone else involved to help to resolve a particular situation. No, what he's addressing here is that temptation that we have to let them have it, <laughs> to go after out of anger, uh, this impulse. Anybody ever had that? The impulse inside uh, immediately to go on the attack and to react out of anger? We're not to take things in this personal uh, sense into our own hands to vindicate our own names, allowing our our passions just to run rampant. Instead, he's talking about reflecting upon the Lord and knowing that He is faithful, recalling how He has shown Himself to be faithful, trusting our circumstances, our adversary, and ourselves to Him. Now, uh, I I realize that when I share this, that for some here, this may seem to be completely off target. Because you may think that if somebody wrongs me, it's my right, it's even maybe my duty to make things right, to clear my name, to bring perhaps this other party into account, uh, to even make them pay. But the Lord's teaching is clear on this. Recall what we read earlier out of Romans 12. I'm just going to read a part of it. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The instruction is very clear. It's not just there, other places. But I do want to say that this is not just a command. Because the ability and the desire to do this comes out of knowing the Lord. And out of knowing the mercy that we've been shown by the Lord. Knowing that that we are sinful. And that we have again and again and again in our life sinned against the Lord. We've stood against the Lord, which means we've done what is unjust against Him. And yet we have been shown this incredible mercy and grace. 
you know, uh, Romans chapter 5 that we read out of earlier. We read that Christ died for the ungodly. That's you. That's me. We read that He shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were estranged from God, Christ died for us. He became the sacrificial lamb in order to give us life, in order to give us that which we didn't deserve. And at the heart of it, that's, that's what should give us a, a willingness and a desire inside to sacrifice ourselves and our needs and our rights. And so when someone wrongs us, we don't uh, just react out of the flesh, but we say, you know what, I recognize I don't have any righteousness of my own. It's all come from the Lord Jesus. And so I don't need to protect myself, my own name. He is my righteousness. Everything good in me has come from Him. And so I'm able to receive what comes at the hand of someone else, even though it may be unjust. And I'm able to say what they're saying, what they're doing, might be wrong, might be unjust. But you know what? I'm deserving of far, far worse. And think about right then how much easier it is to put it into the Lord's hands to avenge. You know, that's the, the psalmist's instruction here to us. In your anger, do not sin. But then he goes on and says, offer right sacrifices. In other words, sacrifices that, that aren't just uh, there on the surface. They're not just outward. It's not just a ceremony. Offer right sacrifices. That's what we're talking about here. And put your trust in the Lord. You remember David and, and Shimei, uh, the one that was taunting David, insulting him, slandering him with lies. They remember, I said, uh, one of David's men, Abishai, uh, that he responded with these words, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go and take off his head. He was responding purely out of, out of anger. And David responded, as I said, not by taking things into his own hands, not by saying go ahead and retaliating, but by severely rebuking Abishai. And then he goes on to say, this is the Lord's. The Lord will repay him if he so chooses. And he will repay me if he so chooses. You know, this is to instruct us, not simply in terms of controlling our anger, and that's what we often think, isn't it? When somebody says, out of the Word it says this, do not be angry. But not just in controlling our anger, but in terms of making sure that our eyes are set upon Christ and recognizing our, ourselves and our own hearts and, and Christ and who He is and what He has done. You know, First Peter chapter 2, Peter speaking to a people who are being unjustly treated. Here's what, what Peter says. This is where he turns. Uh, he says, he, he's speaking about Christ here, end of, end of uh, 1 Peter 2, he says, 
he, Christ, committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. In other words, he's innocent, completely innocent, like no one ever has been before. But then he said, when he was reviled, when he was spit upon, uh, when he was slandered, when he was struck, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Entrusting himself to the Lord. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. This is the reason, this is the motive for us that we likewise should be able and ready and willing and desiring to sacrifice of our own selves. He himself bore, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. His righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed and therefore are able to receive the wounds of another because you're in His hands. So in response to injustice, do not be fickle. Do not be fiery. And finally, David addresses himself here to those who tend to be defeatists. Now, this is the person who's not so apt to strike out as much, perhaps, as to turn inward, to become discouraged uh, for them, and perhaps we should say for me or for us, the temptation might be to turn inward, to, 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 to be struck down, uh, maybe to run to others, to air our grievances to them, to find that as our outlet. Um, now, we're looking at verse 6 here in chapter 4, and we've got to tend to something uh, first, I, I'm convinced that uh, other translations, uh, such as the NIV, the New American Standard, I'm using the ESV, but these other translations are correct. And in this case, uh, the ESV is, is wrong in one instance in their placement of quotes. And I know you might say, well, does that really? Well, it does matter. Uh, now, David has those around him. Look at, look at verse 6. David has those around him who are saying, so there are many who say, who will show us some good? These are people who are not looking to the Lord. Uh, they're, they're thrown off by the evil of others, and they're discouraged as a result. Now, you may have seen this. Uh, you may experience it in yourself. And so David, in response, prays to the Lord, it seems, for them and he says to the Lord, Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. And so, right here in verse 6, this has both a question from those who are defeatists and, and who say, Who will show us some good? There is no good to be seen. Uh, and there's an answer that's given by David in his prayer to the Lord where he says, Lift up the light of your face upon us. Oh Lord. And so, technicality, but there should be two sets of quotes here. But David goes on to say on the basis of that, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. 
you know, if you are, and I, if, if we are dependent on the things of this world, then by definition, that's where you're going to find your joy. That's where you're going to find your sense of well-being. We see that constantly in God's Word. We saw it last week in the psalm we were looking at then. Uh, what happens? It's clear when the circumstances are good, when things are going well, as the psalmist here says, or David says, you know, when grain and wine abounds, then there's, there's a sense of joy there. But things aren't going well. When someone wounds you, uh, when somebody strikes out at you and there's loss, then you're going to, to crash. You're going to be low. And, and how low only depends upon your circumstances. The difference here is between inward joy and outward joy. With outward joy, you're dependent upon the things of this world, the grain and the wine. So that when you face discouragement, that's the place that you have to turn. Only there. And that's what he's saying about defeatists. That's where a defeatist, that's where their eyes are. But with inward joy, uh, there's this reliance upon the Lord. And notice here that David is speaking about his past experience. That he can look back and he can say again and again and again, there's joy there in my heart that you have put, Lord. Great joy. And so I can know for certain, as I depend upon you, as I trust in you, that this will be the result. And he's saying that He is your righteousness. The Lord, He is your peace. He is your sense of well-being in this world. And that when that is true, that discouragement can't remain. You know, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with a morning. And notice that that's how the psalm ends here. It ends with this, this wonderful peace, a peace that's not founded upon the things of this world, but it's founded upon the Lord Himself, who is our righteousness, who makes us dwell in safety. It all depends upon the foundation that you're standing upon. And, and so David here says, Therefore, now the word's not there in the text, but this is what he's saying. Therefore, uh, because you know the one, and because I know the one that I belong to, because I know that he has loved me with an everlasting love, because I have a joy in my heart that proceeds uh, not from the things of this world, but from the one who has loved me, the one whom I belong to. Therefore, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Remember what our tendency can be at night, and I don't know what the, what the practices are here, what your experiences are, but I do often hear uh, about the struggles with, with getting sleep and many of us know this. We know agitation. We know mauling things over and over again in our minds. We, we, we think about the things that have been said to us, the things that might have been done to us, and the things that might be said in the future and done in the future to us. Yet, there is a place of peace where all the turmoil, all the conflict is set aside. And that, that greatest kind of definition of, of being right, which is sleep, 
Isn't that the, the, the most wonderful thing when we can, we can lay down and we can have a full night's sleep and we can wake up in the morning and say, ah, I slept. And I know there are many other things that can stand in the way of our sleep. But this is, this is central uh, for many of us. And the key to having that kind of sleep, this removal of anxiety, removal of agitation, is when we're able to know and we're able to pray with confidence. You, O Lord, are my righteousness. You are the one who vindicates me. And it's in the Lord. It's in Christ for us on this side of the cross. It's in Christ that we are able to find and to know that peace and to live out of it day after day. And that's his desire for us. And that's the psalmist. That's the end to this psalm. A wonderful peace. Let me say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this morning uh, that in this world that we do have a place to go. Uh, we thank you that we're not left alone with ourselves, even though, if we're honest, that can be our tendency to go back again and again, rely upon ourselves. Uh, but we have a wonderful place to go in the Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, help us to be those who see that, who know that, who live out of that relationship. If we're not in that relationship, to make sure we find that and we, we, we come by faith to you, Lord. But then, to be those who live more and more, and we know it's sanctification, it's not easy, but more and more, that we will live out of that, and, and we pray for your help in that. Uh, give us that conviction, uh, and help us to be convicted as we pray to you, as we're doing now, that you hear our prayers, because we belong to you, and that you are our God and our Father. We pray this in Christ's name.